You know, Jess, we're both really good looking. And I think we're super cool. Welcome to Sure Jan. The musical theater podcast with Jess and Dan. Hi, Jessica. We're back. We are back. Okay, so we just finished talking about um, intermission, and now we're getting into Act 2, which begins with Turn Back, Oh Man. And the best part about this Mm -hmm. is if you remember, the audience is on stage, everyone's getting a drink, we're mixing, we're mingling, and what happens are whoever's going to solo us for uh, Turn Back, Oh Man pops herself down to the audience, and basically the band starts a playing. And everyone has to figure out that it's time to go to their seats. Yeah. The lights go down. And she starts seeing from the audience. Mm-hmm. And it just further, like, it furthers that point that, like, we're all a part of this now. We're all in it. We've been brought up on stage. We've mm-hmm. been told we had to say these things or act these things or do these things. Totally. We, as an audience, are in the show. We're a part of the show. We are a part of this community. Now. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, this song is another one that does not have original lyrics. These lyrics were originally um, written in 1916. Um, and I, <laughs> I love this, like, faux striptease moment. Well, that's what I think what I like about this song, Turn Back, Oh Man, is, like, the, the, the juxtaposition in this song is just so smart yes. because this song like it's like, just irony well, the whole thing and the writers have said very very specifically that this song has a hint of um uh uh may, thank you may, cannot for life me has a hint of may west right i would even say that this song has a hint of gypsy rose lee mm-hmm. in it and uh, and it's she is it, this is by far the sexiest song yeah. maybe the only sexy song yeah. in this show but this sexy temptress song is about giving up temptation yes and that's what makes the song even smarter yeah. is because this is like assumingly a girl who is singing to the audience and even talking to some of the men who are sitting in the first couple rows and like and just like flirting with them and saying mmm Mm. How's your seat? How's mine? Yeah. Don't give in to my temptation. Mm. Make sure that you're following Christ. Like, Come it's, here, Jesus. Yeah, yes, exactly. And that, I, I think it's great. I, I love it. I think, I mean, the whole show we've said, like, be a good person, don't sin. Be a good person, don't sin, right? Yeah. And this, continue, right, right in line, mm-hmm. right? But that irony is just so perfect. <laughs> yep. And I, like... This, to me, is like that song. If you need a song to, like, ramp up Act 2, that, like, nailed it, right? Totally, totally. It's, it's interesting. It's funny. Yep. Um, it has... It has, and I, the, something that I would love to talk about mm-hmm. is the difference between the original and the revival cast recording. Okay, go ahead. Because in the original cast recording, it's like... It's more, like, uh, burlesque-y. Um, whereas in the... Uh, revival it's like a mod feel they have really sure. changed um th- both of them are like a throwback kind of feel but the, the the amount of time we're throwing back is is kind of the same we're saying like let's go back 40 years not let's go all the way back to you know what i mean and so they've really played with that like time frame yeah in, in the styling of music totally. and that's uh, personally i 
love that mod feel. Yeah. It's very, like, um, that Fosse video where they're, like, leaned back really far and they're, like, yeah. walking across the stage. It's very James Bond. Sure. Um, I mean, Fosse would be a great inspiration for choreography for this song. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that, like, how smart... Because modern audiences, 2011 audiences, right... Are more familiar with like the mod it girl mm-hmm. than they are with that like burlesque sound. Sure. Whereas a '97 or '97 '71 yeah. audience, mod girl is not too far in the past, mm-hmm. so it doesn't make as much sense. And totally. so I just love this is an opportunity to really update it in a way that's not like bringing it today, but it's just like bringing it a little bit for- forward. Um, sure. And then we get the parable of the two sons. Yes. Now you are going to have to explain this to me because I think I skipped this one assuming that it was similar to the prodigal son or I didn't look this up for whatever reason. So that's you. The parable of the two sons is just, it's very simple. The father has two sons and to the first one he says, hey, go tend the vineyard. Yeah. The first son says, no, not going to do that, dad. I'm out. Um, And then he goes and reconsiders and does it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the second son says, yeah, I will absolutely tend to that vineyard. Um, but then he doesn't. And then Jesus asks the, the ensemble in the show, um, which of these followed his father's commandment? And they all respond, well, obviously the first one, mm-hmm. the one that actually did the thing. Yeah. Even though he said no, he still, his actions spoke louder than words. And that's literally... The, the point of this story is you can say that you're a follower, but words are empty. Show me your actions. Yeah. Um, and again, this harkens back to be kind. You can, you can be a Pharisee and still be an asshole and not get into heaven. Totally. It's, it's about your deeds, not about your words. Um, and then he goes right into the greatest commandment. Which is, um, like, love thy God above all else. Which is, like, interesting because what it says in the script is that technically there are no commandments that are above the others, right? Doesn't it say that very specifically here in the script? Like, Jesus will later get in trouble. But Does it say all thy mind? Um, the, the actual Bible verse is love thy heart with all thy soul, all thy... Uh, all they heart, Just all they heart and soul, all they strength, and all they mind. But, okay. okay. Continue. Yeah. But like, there isn't one commandment that's better than all the rest, right? Okay. So this is actually super biblical. So there, the, there's the the like the grand commandment, um, or the greatest commandment, and then there's the golden rule. Um, so, in this part of the Bible, the golden rule is love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. And that is what is in the script. What Judas is referring to is the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. These two are not a part of the Ten Commandments at all. When Jesus says this in the Bible, he's saying Old Testament commandments are Old Testament commandments. And um, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not... Um, like, all of those... Mm-hmm. If you love thy God with all thy heart, all thy strength, all thy soul, and all thy mind, nothing else matters because if you are doing that, you aren't murdering, you aren't stealing, you aren't adultering, you aren't doing any of those things. Um, 
And so that's why it's the greatest commandment. Okay. And so in the Bible, also in God's bell, Jesus is kind of rewriting. Those are those are the old rules. Yeah. We're, that's the rules of Judaism. Mm-hmm. We're in the new rules now of Christianity. And that's really what differentiates the Old Testament and the New Testament is the, the Jesus philosophy. Sure. And the Jesus philosophy is love thy neighbor, love thy God. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the New Testament is literally all about love until you get to Revelations, and then it's about, like, the reckoning. <laughs> okay. Can I tell you, like, quick side note. When you and I were first talking about this, because I am so unfamiliar with the Bible and because you are so familiar with the Bible... You sort of what you, one of the ways that you sort of explained it to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is that the Old Testament is very much like <clears throat> like a like a story with a beginning, middle, and mm-hmm. where the New Testament is more like a series of like small stories or like ways to live by mm-hmm. to be like a good person slash therefore a good Christian. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Book of Mormon, which we can get into mm-hmm. later. But um, uh, do you know what that reminded me of after I thought about it a little bit? What. And I know you know what I'm going to talk about. The Old Testament is the first Cinderella movie, and the New Testament is the second Cinderella movie, because the first Cinderella movie has a beginning, middle, and end, and the second Cinderella movie is just like like three or four little short stories using the characters from Cinderella, but there's not really like an actual plot. Um, the plot of the second Cinderella movie is that Drizella's not evil and we gotta find her a man. But then, like, the third Cinderella movie then goes back to being good. Or is that the third? The one that you're talking about might be Cinderella 3. No, Cinderella 3 is a twist in time where they turn back the clock. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. But the third Cinderella movie is good. The first Cinderella movie is good. The second one is, like... Not. Okay, so like in this analogy, we are tangenting right now, <laughs> yeah, but in yeah. this analogy, Cinderella a Twist in Time is the Book of Mormon. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's exactly what Disney was going for. <laughs> um, but no, like, back to your original point. Like, yeah, that's, that's how... I was taught to interpret the Bible. And I, like, mm-hmm. want to be super duper clear. You're kind of saying that, like, I'm this Bible expert. In comparison... Sure. Yes. In yeah. the world, no. Out of all the people sitting in this room right now, of which there are two, you are certainly the Bible expert. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I want to make it clear that, like, I am no Bible scholar. Sure. Um, I just know what I was taught in Sunday school as a child. Sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um... Like Cinderella 2, the New Testament is snippets of small stories that Jesus tells his disciples um, or like little vignettes of song. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Um, To kind of pave the way for Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a clean divide between, like, at least for me, it is very easy to tell if you read a passage for the most part it's like well that's in the new testament or that's in the old testament like mm-hmm. there it's ve- the the differences are striking mm-hmm. um and i think that's evident in the way that they're the stories are taught as well mm-hmm. um if jesus is there we're in the new testament yeah. yep. <laughs> um and pretty much the new testament is just the story of jesus 
Mm-hmm. And the story of Jesus is he came into he came to town. First he was born in a manger. Clip clop, clip clop. And then he grows up in the church and he becomes this leader in the church and he gathers his disciples and he teaches them how to be good people. Um, and then he dies for our sins. And then Revelation happens, which is like the second coming of Christ and fire and brimstone comes down and everyone that believes in Jesus is pulled to heaven mm-hmm. um, and everyone that does not is left on earth to die. Yeah. That is the story of the great commandment and the cool. golden rule and how it all kind of fits in. Yeah. Um, also, this is where we're starting to get into the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. There is a line in the script um, that is that is like everything has been leading up to this moment. Now, is everything leading up to Alas for You or is everything leading up to By My Side? Everything's leading up to By My Side. Okay. Yeah, so okay. Well, we we have a last for you, and like Jesus is like pissed at everyone in this song. Yeah, and he's getting mad at them. I can you remind me why Jesus is pissed at everyone right now? Well, he so I mean in the story of Jesus in the Bible, right? He knows he's going to die, mm-hmm. and it's it's not necessarily that he's trying to prevent it, but he's trying to build a world and where where like people are following his teachings and so after he dies yes okay so they are those things are carried on yeah um and in the parable of the two sons and really even in um turn back oh man they're not really taking this as seriously as he wanted Mm -hmm. he came in god's bill jesus comes to town to build this community knowing that he is, is going to leave them, mm-hmm. and he wants them to carry on this community and his message and his yeah. teaching, right? Um, and so he, like, he is getting getting to the point where it's almost like he came to town thinking he was going to start at um, By My Side, mm-hmm. but we weren't there yet, and yeah. he had to, like, drag all these people through. Um, and this is his moment of frustration, um, which is that beginning. And it, it starts, Alas for You starts the same place that the beginning of the show starts. Uh, you snakes, you vipers, yeah. brood, you cannot sca- escape being devil's food. Yep. Like, that yeah. is page three of the script. It is, yeah. Um, and, it, it, and it just, it's like everything, everything that is led up to here is not the part that matters. Mm-hmm. That was us getting ready to have the part that matters. Yeah. Um, and so he's, it's his frustration that we're like finally to the beginning. And it took this long. It took an act in a song mm-hmm. to get us this far. I, yeah. I, that's my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, Which like, it's a wonder that Jesus doesn't get more frustrated, right? Yeah. Like that is part of the reason why I think he is someone that people look to to follow. Because we as humans who are not Christ, Mm -hmm. get so worked up so easily about so many things. And, like, even though he has this moment of frustration and probably has more moments of frustration in the Bible that are not showcased in Godspell, he, like, bro is patient. Yes. And, like, man, if only ever, like, as as, a non-believer, it's hard for me to, like, not hard for me to say this, but I can't believe I'm saying these words. But, like, man, if only more people were like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think, like, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's literally the point, Mm -hmm. is, like, 
that's why you see WWJD bracelets. Totally. What would Jesus do? Correct. That's that's the message of the New Testament. Yep. Is there's this guy who people make fun of. Mm. People beat him. People persecute him. Yep. And he his message is constantly and persistently, which we've talked about persistency. We've ta- we've talked about all these things, mm-hmm. but it's consistently love thy neighbor, show mercy, forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 right? That is the consistent message that Jesus says. And that is not singular to God's spell. The the whole point of the New Testament is don't be an asshole. Stand up for the little guy. Help help your neighbor. Help people that are less fortunate than you. Um, And we could go super political about how Christianity is... Relayed and twisted in politics, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that I think about constantly when I look at how it plays out in our world. When Christianity is often painted as this kind of like fire and brimstone, like do this or you will go to hell. That's not the New Testament that I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That, and I like. That's the that's the thing that Godspell is trying to say, is. Forget, forget all of the things about this specific religion or that specific religion. Forget all of the things about the the tiny details of you were a prophet or you were a god or you were this or whatever. Yeah. Be kind to the people around you. Yep. Build your community. Come together. Lift each other up. And practice forgiveness. Mm-hmm. If you do those things, happiness is yours. Yeah. And if the people you surround yourself with, if you surround yourself like the seeds and the, the sower and the seeds, if you surround yourself with people who are thorny, your life is going to be hard. If you surround yourself with nourishing, rich soil, things are going to be a little bit nicer. Mm-hmm. And like spread that message through the world that like kindness is good and that then we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And I think that that's where Jesus gets frustrated is like you're not getting it. You're just not getting it. Yeah. What I'm saying, and, and that's when, like, Judas says something along the lines of, like, uh, Jesus sees that he's plainly not getting through to these people. Um, they've already prejudged him, and he's frustrated. And he turns to the audience and addresses them urgency, getting angrier. Listen, everyone. Alas for you. Yeah. You are hypocrites. Um, you're lawyers and Pharisees. You say that you're good people, but you're not being a good person right now. We have talked about this for an hour and a half. We have talked about this. What the hell? Um, yeah. And so, like, I think using that um, that that parable of the Pharisees that they're getting ready to do is so interesting because they're sitting there waiting and they're judging him for the things he says because it doesn't match with their their expectations or understandings of what they've known. Mm-hmm. And what all he's saying is like, stop being an asshole. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, soapbox done. No, thank you. But <laughs> no, thank you for that soapbox. Like, I mean, like these are the things that are just so like, frankly, these things are really insightful because even though what we're hearing right now is just one person's perspective yeah. and one person's in like, like frankly interpretation of the new testament as it is shown through the musical godspell yeah. i still think what you're saying are things that like 
I, as a person who have had limited time with the Bible, still might not come to the, I might not come to that conclusion for like a very long time. Yeah. So thank you for your soapbox because it's like it's worthwhile. Um, okay, so then we get to by my side, and by my side is. Oh wait, pause. Oh, okay. We have a parable in here that I think is important, and it is the faithful servant. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> aside from all of the the technicalities of like what that parable is saying, mm-hmm. the message of that parable is be ready for the day of reckoning for it is coming. Yeah. Which only is important in the story because. The day of reckoning for Jesus is coming. Yeah. And so we have some foreshadowing here as to what's going to happen to Jesus later. And he, Jesus stops all of his um, troop or his community and says, hey guys, be ready because we're having fun right now. I know I just got mad. We're having fun right now. I love you. I need you to know I love you. Yeah. Also know. Things aren't going to be perfect forever, and shit's going to hit the fan soon. Be ready. Um, and then we get to by my side. Okay. Which is prompted by him saying, like, basically one of you is going to, um, like... Betray me. Betray me. That's the word I'm looking for. Betray yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, is that... Before by my side? Yeah. Or so, is that after by my no, side? No, it's right before. So, um, Nick or George says, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery in the law that Moses had laid down such that women are to be stoned. Um, and then Nick says, Yeah, what do you say about that, mister? And then Jesus says, That one of you who is faultless shall throw the first stone. <clears throat> and what he's referencing is like, like, Someone is going to throw a stone at me. Okay. Um, and then Jesus says, where are they now? Has no one condemned you? Um, okay, well, I'm thinking because right after right after Beautiful City, later on, yeah. he, that's where he, he says, explicitly says, one of you will betray me, and yes. they all like, can it be I, can it be I, can it be I, can it be I, and all eight mm-hmm. of them say it, and with Judah saying it finally. So, okay, yeah. before we get there. So... So yeah, so um, in in the revival, it's Uzo Duba, mm-hmm. and she is the, the 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 person who is playing the adulteress. Yes. Right. Who is who is cast aside, um, and she 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 has clearly done something wrong, and Jesus. Oh, and 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 George in this production mm-hmm. says references Moses at some point and says like, well Moses told us we have to stone her because she's yeah. an adulteress, and Jesus is like. No, let's, I mean, well, sure, for, forgiveness, frankly, yeah. like, right, I mean, which is, like, such a common theme throughout the show. Well, and I think it's not just forgiveness in this instance, but <clears throat> it's that, um, the one of you who is faultless shall throw the first stone. Totally. And the point of, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard someone say, like. He, he without saying, cast the first stone. Exactly. Yep, totally. It's the same yep. deal. Yep. And it's, like, the person who is pure is allowed to throw stones. Mm-hmm. It's don't throw stones at glass houses, right? It's yes, like, exactly. Don't don't point at someone and say they're bad if you yourself are also bad. Yeah, it's hypocr- hypocrisy is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then the, the song by my side, mm-hmm. which is sung by primarily by the character Uzo or whoever is playing yeah. the adulteress in this time, is is number one. Interesting enough, back to what we started at the beginning of this podcast. 
this is the really the one song that like Stephen Schwartz did not have his hand on. Mm-hmm. This this if we go back to the original 1970 Carnegie Mellon Carnegie, Carnegie can't speak Carnegie Mellon production of Godspell, this song although likely sounded different was in that production. Um, but number two, uh, this is like the character of Uzo saying. Jesus is here with me despite the fact that I sinned. Yes. And he forgives me for the fact that I sinned. And what he has told me is, don't do it again. Yes. Yes. And ideally, I will move forth doing that. Yes. Or not doing that. Um, And there's a break in the middle where Judas Judas tells... It's the betrayal of Jesus Mm -hmm. as told in Matthew, almost verbatim, Matthew 26, 14. Okay. Um, the man they called Jesus Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me to betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And I love this staging mm-hmm. because it says to the audience, do not over-emotionalize this line, merely report. Yeah. And it it's the, it's the moment where you take characters out of it mm-hmm. and you just flat tell the audience, this is a thing that happened. I don't feel any way towards it when you know based on what she's singing that she clearly feels some sort of way yeah Um, well that's again what the great juxtaposition of this is that like uzo or whoever's singing this is is off to the side singing this like crazy intense ballad of like 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 extreme gratitude yeah because you know jesus has i guess in like i don't know if spared her is the exact right phrasing but like in many ways has and where on the other side he showed her forgiveness as an example to the rest of the world which i think in this context particularly for this character sparing is not like an incorrect adjective although like showing forgiveness is better um and then just seeing judas on the complete other side just like emotionless yeah you know like i am a person on the news who is merely reporting and whether or not i'm conservative or liberal doesn't matter right now yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Because, and he's the one that's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you can't play that like he feels good or bad about it. Mm-hmm. Because if he feels bad about it now, yeah. you the audience gets to ask the question, well, if you felt bad about it, why did you do it? Mm-hmm. But if he feels good about it, now he's painted as a villain. Yeah. And that's not commonly, I mean, Judas is the betrayer like we we, we know that yeah. i think you probably knew that mm-hmm. outside of christianity like oh you just, that's just like a thing you i've listened to the born this way album by lady gaga oh, i'm very perfect. familiar with who judas is she has a song about him Love it. yes um, yeah but the point of the crucifixion story which be very clear god's bell is not a crucifixion story mm-hmm. but the point of the crucifixion story is not that judas is the bad guy yeah it's that he plays a, a role in the resurrection because if you if you pull back and you think about it, if Judas had never sold Jesus for thirty pieces of silver, mm-hmm. Jesus never dies on the cross for our sins, and we are never saved. So Judas in God's bill and in the Bible yeah. play this role that is very very important, also terrible. I'm gonna ask you a question that I probably should know. Okay. Who does Judas sell Jesus to? Okay. So, basically, uh, <laughs> Jewish religion is kind of everywhere. 
Yeah. Jesus comes in and says, I'm the son of God. He has some people that believe him mm-hmm. and are like, this guy, is cl- he performs miracles, <clears throat> clearly the son of God. Um, the, the church, um, the, the Jewish faith, yeah. does not like a false god walking around pretending to be the son of God. Okay. They, in, in, in Judaism, they do not believe that Jesus is the, the son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the church. It's I mean, it's like soldiers for the city because it's okay. a, a um, theology. And so is this one act yeah, of Judas the, like, true dividing line between Judaism and Christianity? Um, no. So, like, the... the, 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 the I don't know if there's, like, a line. The line is, like, Jesus is the Son of God or Jesus is not. So, like, a lot of Judaism would, would, would indicate that Jesus is a prophet of God, not a... Not God himself. So if you're familiar with the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, Jesus and God are essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah. 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 Um, that is not the Jewish faith. Now, okay, do not know anything about Judaism. This is what yes. I understand to be true from, like, what, yeah. Yes. Um, but um, the the line is is not necessarily Judas betray- Judas's betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's the understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. So, like, the time when Jesus is alive and he's saying that he's the Son of God, that's also not Judaism. Got it. That's why, like, the New Testament doesn't start with the betrayal. It starts with the birth of Jesus. Sure. Because, like, if, if it's just a, a random prophet, and I don't think that... Judaism feels like Jesus is just a like random prophet, mm-hmm. um, but that it, he's not the, the second coming of Christ, right? Sure. Um, there's no reason to have a whole second half of your book yeah. that um, is dedicated to this one dude. Mm-hmm. No, totally. <laughs> um, so, not really, but like, it's a part of it, I guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, so the Pharisees and the the, the, the church leaders. Because Jesus was Jewish. Like, let's roll back. Like, Jesus was raised Jewish. Yes. Because... But based, based on, like, even, like, even then, but even contemporary definition of Judaism... Yes. Jewish was... Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Yeah. Yes. Avenue okay. Q said it first, and we say it again. Yeah, totally. But, like, it's because, like, the religion is you. Like, how do you, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, even in this show, particularly, I don't know if it's, by, it's, it's later on in the show, but he, like, Jesus speaks in Hebrew yes. in the musical Godspell. Yeah. 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 Um, because that's the, that's the church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be like today, the way that I think about it, like, actually, great, um, <laughs> great analogy. Okay. The Book of Mormon is, like, the part three. Yeah. And, like... Again, I know what I know about Book of Mormon from the musical. So. Sure. Um, but it's like everybody in the Book of Mormon is Christian until we get to, like, Ascension, right? Yeah. <laughs> and having our own planet and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same kind of, like, you have to be, you can't just jump straight to Christianity in the time frame. You have to kind of be Jew- Jewish first and follow along the story. That's why we don't as a Christian faith, don't just have the New Testament. We have the Old and the New Testament because you have to know where you were to get where you're going. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, that, I mean, honestly, what like that, 
helps me all understand it. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being my priest. I'm not Catholic. I, yeah, here's the other thing. <laughs> There's a lot of titles for people who are clergymen and like clergy people, and I just often don't understand the difference between like like a priest and a reverend and a like it's all great to me reverend is baptist okay pastor is i only know pastor is methodist priest is catholic bishop is catholic cardinal is catholic um uh, honestly i should take another preacher is interchangeable but not catholic I think reverend, priest, uh, preacher, and pastor are interchangeable, not Catholic. Catholic is priest, father, those kinds of things. Really, I should just take a religion class at Ohio State. Do it. Um, Fascinating. Okay, so we then go into We Beseech Thee. But before then, there's like a, like, is, is this a parable? Yeah. Um, so it's the parable of the sheep and the goat. Um, basically, Jesus says that he... They're a sheep and they're a goat. Um, the sheep um, are kind to their neighbor. They practice all the things we've been talking about up until this point. Yeah. And the goat do not. Yeah. And Jesus says, um, thank you to the sheep for um, sheltering me when I needed shelter, for feeding me when I was hungry, for um, giving me drink when I was thirsty. Mm-hmm. And all the sheep say, well, I... I never did that. I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, anytime you ever did that to a fellow man, you did that for me. Um, which really takes that golden rule a step further. It's it's taking the golden rule and that greatest commandment mm-hmm. and smashing them together. Yeah. And saying, love thy neighbor as much as you love God. Mm-hmm. Don't just love thy neighbor as much as you love yourself. Don't just love the Lord God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, right? Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Love them so much that, like, they show love to others. Because when we love people, they love people. And we build a community, again, of love and forgiveness and trust and happiness. Mm -hmm. Which is not the world we live in today. Yeah, yeah. Um. Which is a great, like, kind of segue into We Beseech Thee, because this is, um, who sings, is it Nick? Yeah. Um, We Beseech Thee is just uh, uh, them saying, Father, I know I am sick and I will come to you. I know that I need mercy and I will come to you. And when I do that, I can also come to my fellow man because we beseech you because that great commandment says, love thee with all thy heart and all thy mind. Um, This song, one, lyrics originated in 1875, in case you wonder. But this is like the last hurrah of the show. This is this like... This is the truly last, like, true, like happy moment. Yes. Yeah. This is... It's them pleading to God to help them be better, like they were taught, and to ask for forgiveness, like they've been taught, mm-hmm. so that they can be loving, and they can love thy neighbor, and yeah. they can be sheep and not goats. Yeah. It is our last moment as a community to rejoice in the love that the community has built. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this song. It's fun. It's, it's really, so really fun. fun. It's so fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, like, that is, like, the 
the goats are asking for like mercy in this because we like is is it like as much as this is like a fun happy song it is also we beseech to hear us this is this is them asking for forgiveness from god too right like it's written in a happy upbeat tone it is really fun but we beseech thee hear us is literally saying hi i'm sorry like please let me go to heaven but it's not the goats saying it is it not no i don't think so the way i kind of interpret it is the goats and the sheep is kind of not as much related in this instance okay um because the goats and the sheep is if you see someone needing and hurting Mm -hmm. help them because if you help them you are helping god um we beseech thee lives in a world of us as everyone, not just sheep, not just goat. Yeah. Know that we are not worthy yeah. for the love that God gives. Yeah. Know that we ask for forgiveness for all of our sins. And to me, we beseech thee leads more into that, like, I don't want to say crucifixion because this isn't a crucifixion story, but into that, that death. Sure. St- that death of Jesus because when Jesus dies, he dies for the sins of all of us. And so these are our sins that we beg for you to forgive. Mm-hmm. So for in my brain, now again, just my brain, but in my brain, this leads more into um, the, like, the end of the show, especially if you can like remember that Beautiful City didn't used to exist. So this sh- song would lead right into The Last Supper. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where my brain goes. Sure. I mean, I think. I mean, I think that makes sense for sure. But then we do get "Beautiful City," which is an interesting song for so many reasons because it's not in every version. Mm-hmm. Most notably, not in the movie. Is it in the original no, it's production? It's movie. You're right. I lied. It was it's not in the original production. It was added for the movie, mm-hmm. and then therefore also in subsequent productions. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, but "Beautiful City." is also one that has been done in multiple ways because in the 2001 recording that I um, where we listened to uh, Tower of Babel <clears throat> and um, in the uh, uh, in the movie mm-hmm. it's like upbeat like it's not it's not as upbeat as we beseech thee but it's not we can build a beautiful city yeah it's like again. it's like it's like an up tempo ballad if you yeah. will where in the 2011 revival, Hunter Parrish sings this yes. as, like, a truly, like, hello, I am Jesus, I am talking to you, listen to me, please, yes. this is important what I'm telling you right now. These are things that we can do. This is a song of hope. This is something that we, and by we, I mostly mean you, mm-hmm. are able to do. Yeah. And the thing, like, the reason I think this song, this song is such a great addition, mm-hmm. and I don't often love deviations from the original. Sure. Um, I think Cabaret is a great instance. Mm-hmm. We could fight about that for a long time. Totally. And I think um, a lot of people would disagree with me, but I think um, the songs that were added in subsequent pr- versions of Cabaret, um, the one that I can't remember right now is escaping me. Um, oh, maybe this time. Yes. But in ca- like Cabaret is an example where you get maybe this time, and people love that song, and I just don't think it adds anything to the plot. Mm-hmm. I think it's a beautiful song. Yeah. I think it can be done well. 
and it can be interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it makes no sense to what's happening in the show. Sure. And I think it's it, it stands out to me yeah. as like not a part of the rest of the things. Sure. Um, I think the money song is another example where they gave a lot of ins and outs and to talk about cabaret for a whole lot of time, but. I, I tend to like the original version, and when you start to mess with it, you have to really consider how it fits in with the rest of the piece, mm. or it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I think in this instance, this song does stand out, but not like a sore thumb. Yeah. This song really boils down the message of the entire show into one song. Mm -hmm. If you were wondering what Godspell is about. Listen to this song and you know everything you need to know. Totally. Um, which, in a show where things are not like painted, yes. things are not crystal clear, things are very like conceptual and you gotta really think about it and read between the lines, mm -hmm. I think the thing that this show needs to like really help it be successful for like large-scale audiences, everyday theater-goers, is a song that just spells it out. Out of the ruins and rebels, out of the smoke, we can build a beautiful city. We may not reach the ending, but we can start. We can try. The goal, the goal is to come together and build a city, not a city of angels, but a city of man. And I just think that that's what this show is about. Mm -hmm. It is very apparent in the script with all of the footnotes that this this show is about building a community and fostering a message of love and acceptance mm -hmm. and building a city not of angels but of man is the best way to do that. Yeah. And I think I also think this is like a little bit of a <laughs> I do think this is like a direct reference to um like I don't when was the movie filmed? I don't remember. I don't remember when the movie was filmed. I do know that it was bef it was somewhere in the early to mid '70s, mm -hmm. because the movie was filmed before the show went to Broadway in '76. That is significant because at that point in time, frankly, even now there aren't many movies, movie musicals made that are adaptations of off-Broadway musicals. Most movie adaptations yeah. you see are off-Broadway musicals. Um, and I think saying City of Angels is, like, a reference to Los Angeles, even though, like, the movie takes place in New York City. Yeah. Because, like, and there are a lot of things you can draw from that. But one thing that, looking at the script, that stands out to me mm -hmm. is that we have said more than once that this script is full of stage directions. It is full of, like, uh, opinions by maybe um, John Michael Tabalek or by Stephen mm -hmm. Schwartz. Beautiful City is an entire page of just lyrics. Yeah. There is nothing else here. At no point does it say, Jesus walks in and out. This is what Jesus mm -hmm. means. This is how Jesus moves. This is how Jesus sings this song. Like, there, this is, like, the one song, one scene, one whatever in this show yeah. where it's, like, the inter... Almost in many ways, like the Bible... The interpretation of this song, which frankly there isn't really a lot of interpretation for the yeah. song, is just what it is. The words speak for themselves. Yeah. And it's the only song where the words speak for themselves. Yeah. This is the clearest Jesus is being to his yeah. crew. 
Totally. It's the it's the clearest, and I mean, like I believe this is when he removes their makeup, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So like. Having this be the moment where he stops everything and says, we've had fun and games. Yes. We've been, we've been learning all these things. We're, we're talking about love and forgiveness and everything. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the time where I'm going to be point blank blunt because I need you to understand. If you didn't get it by now, yeah. which you might not have, the, the goal right now is to build this beautiful city. For us mm-hmm. to live in its beauty. Yeah. But, yeah, it is. Right so, then then we get into the Last Supper. And yes. then we particularly get into a scene where Jesus is telling everyone, one of you will betray me. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you, every single, okay, I want to ask what your significance is. Because I feel like I just don't quite understand it. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. And that's fine. But everyone says, can it be me? Can it be me, Lord? Can it be me, Lord? Can it be me, Lord? And the one person, the last person to respond, is also the only person with a different response. Mm -hmm. And his response is, Rabbi, can you mean me? Mm -hmm. And, like, number one, when Judas is saying that, like, (laughs) like, you know it's you. Right? Yeah. But also, is there any reason why his response is different? That's how it is in the Bible. So, I mean, but is there is there any other... That's I believe that's how Jesus knows who it is. Because, he, because his response is yes. different than what everyone else says. Okay. Um, because, and even <laughs> in the script here, it says, the words are yours, do quickly what you have to do. Um, because, yeah. He, yeah. And so then, in this song, um, uh, on the willows, this in, in in the original production, this was sung by the band, which I think is such a cool. I love the fact that in this show, in the original version, everyone leaves the stage, everyone's gone, yeah, and we're just left with the band mm-hmm. for a whole song, mm-hmm. and they just sing this song. There's no blocking. There's no choreography. They're just singing the song on an empty stage. And also what a mindfuck for the audience, too. Yeah. Because you're like, you know, if your production has a band and has mm-hmm. instrumentalists, one thing I know about instrumentalists is that typically instrumentalists are not tone deaf. They might not have beautiful singing voices, yeah. but they're not often tone deaf. And so, like, and On the Willows is not a particularly difficult song to sing. Yeah. And so... That is really, that's fascinating. Now, I can already think of different ways that I would love to stage this with Judas. Like, maybe looking over Jesus or just off to the side where, like, Jesus is the focus, but, like, Judas is there. I, I like, I haven't really fully thought it. But um, I I like the the idea that the band is singing it is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, on on the Willows is, okay, I don't know if, you found this when you were looking things up. But On the Willows is Psalm uh, 137. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what that psalm is about is um, 
So this says, uh, on the willows there, we hang up our lyres. In the psalm, it's actually, we hang up our harps, but, like, neither here nor there. Sure. Um, basically, they're hanging up their harps because this is a time of sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, harps are for times of happiness and joy. This is not the time for that. Um, and I think uh, Matthew alludes to that as well with this um, on the willows message but um, they sing the lyric sing us one of the songs of Zion Um, and a song of Zion is a song that is sung it's in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. for Yahweh which is like the Hebrew word for God Mm -hmm. Um, so basically what they're saying is we, we hang up our harps because this is a time for sadness, but also we want you to sing us a song that glorifies God. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that while they're literally all saying goodbye, like this song, if staged correctly, can like really hit. Yeah, totally. Um, which I just, it's, it's a pretty song. It's a short song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact that it's Judas singing as much as I love the idea of an empty stage and I love the idea of the band singing, I, I think the fact that Judas is singing is so telling of the fact that, like, there is that that pool between... G- Judas knows what he has to do. He knows which part he has to play for this all to shake out. Yeah. But he doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like looks back at like everyone has a role to play in their society. Judas knows his, he knows when he does this, what the repercussions are going to be, but he's still going to do it because he understands what that is going to do for the community. Yeah. In the same way that he understands what it's going to do for Christianity in the Bible. Yeah. So then we get to the finale. Yes. Yeah. To the end of the show. Um, And you tell me your thoughts. So I, um, well, because Jesus says that he's going to go to the garden of, I can't pronounce it, to pray. And he... Gethsemane? Yeah, that one. I don't remember that. <clears throat> and he... Gethsemane? He comes back. Yeah, it starts with a G. The, what you said sounds pretty close. And he comes back. Mm-hmm. And he, he is begging all of his followers, like all of his disciples, mm-hmm. to stay awake for him. And they... Don't. They're still sleeping. Yeah. They, they continue to sleep. Well, and I think it's important to talk about, like, he goes to the garden. And even in the Bible, but also in the show, mm-hmm. he realizes what is going to happen. Yeah. And he accepts that as a thing that is going to happen. Um, he does not, again, does not like it, does not want it to happen, but mm-hmm. he understands why it's going to happen yeah. and what part he has to play mm-hmm. in this. In the same way that Judas has a part to play. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back. And they're all asleep, and he asks them if they could not, like, stay awake. Um, and they try. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they try, but they cannot. Yeah. And then they all turn into demons. That, that is true. Because they all, like, particularly, like, demons, sure, but representative of Satan. Yes. Yeah. And I know that um, they are... Attempting to, well, frankly, tempt him. Yes. Um, but he turns him away. Yes. Because he's Jesus. Yes. Yep. Be gone, Satan, he says. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
and he casts them back. Mm-hmm. And then he, Judas comes back, um, and there's a pause. And then Jesus says to Judas, do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And then this is, we already kind of talked about this, but Jesus kisses Judas, which is not how it goes in the Bible. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, Judas kisses Jesus, and that is how he signifies that this is Jesus and who should be like arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, I take this to mean that while in the Bible, Jesus is understands his part and he's ready to go, um, in Godspell, Jesus is willing to go. He yeah. gives himself willingly so that his his sidekick, his friend, doesn't have to do it. Um, and to me, that's why this is definitely not the crucifixion story. Mm-hmm. This is, yes, the characters are named Jesus and, Jesus and Judas. I get it. Also, I you could name these characters anything. We've just named them Jesus and Judas because they align with this, the book of the, those gospels, right? And, and if you were to call it, if you were to call Jesus Steve, you lose some of that like illusion. Sure. Um, but to me, this is where it's like very, very clear that this is not the resurrection story. Sure. This is a story that is about something else entirely. And... It's, it's kind of, like, hit home in some of the director's notes and some of the, like, uh, footnotes in the script. But, I like, to me, this is the moment where it's, like, this is no longer the Bible story you've, you, you understand. This is something different. Yeah. Because that act is just, like, such a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the finale. Yeah. And the finale is fascinating. So... They have, you know, Jesus says, oh, God, I'm bleeding. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. And the company responds to him and says, oh, God, you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, I'm dying, I'm dying. The, the company responds that you're dying. And the this is where <clears throat> the interpretation of whether or not this is the, the crucifixion has been so, like, controversial. Disputed. Yeah. And I agree with you. This is not a crucifixion story. This, I, like, as much as the cast members pick him up and carry him to the back of the theater or to whatever it is, mm-hmm. at, at number one, at no point do we see him truly crucified. Yeah. And number two, that is not the point of this yeah. you're you're you you are you are missing the past two hours yeah if you are waiting for jesus to get nails through his hands yeah. like that that's that that is not what's that that's meant to be happening here and that is something that like as someone who would like love one day to direct this show how how do you get that across to your audience so they understand that and is everyone understanding that important those are the two questions I ask myself. So, I think the how is much more complicated of a question. Sure. Um, because, I mean, logistically, it depends on the theater that you have and the actors you have and who's playing what and what they're doing and when and why. And I mean, there are a million factors 
they come into the how you do it. Um, I think for me, the how you do it is to really lean heavily on the themes that are outlined as the underlying themes and make them a little more overt for your everyday audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you're always going to have people that see Bible stories that I know. This is a Bible story I know. Um, The is it important? I think it has to be. Mm -hmm. Like, the point of art, right, is to convey a message, to convey meaning, I suppose, um, through whatever medium you choose. Yeah. And I think if you are directing a show that you did not write, you are tasked with conveying that meaning meaning to audiences that see the show. And I think there's something to be said for like doing what you can and knowing you're not going to get everyone. Mm-hmm. But also, I think if you don't try, you're doing a disservice to the, the piece that you are performing. Yeah. Um, so I think it has to be important. Or it wouldn't be in the script. No one would have written it down if it wasn't important. Um, what do you think? What, 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 what I think is, I go back and say, <clears throat> you said that you think it has to be important that the goal is to get people to understand what's going on. But if I look, God, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this, if I look back at some of the parables that I've read, some of them show me that, like, you will never get through to everyone. But the people that you do get through to are the ones who are going to follow your teachings. And, like, does... I, I, I don't know that it's important that as the director or, or producer or whatever of this show that everyone understands what my vision is because that's probably impossible. And if it's impossible... I don't know that it's important in the same way that it's important that the people who get it get it. And I it like but I could also make arguments against what I just said too. I think you can you could sit here and say all day that not everyone's going to get it every time and that is 100% true. I also think that to <clears throat> to say not everyone's going to get it, some people will, some people won't. Yeah. That's good enough for me is to do a disservice to the to the work. That's fair. So the goal at the end of the day should still be, hopefully, that everyone will yeah. understand what's happening. Knowing that not everyone will, but playing to those who are maybe, maybe playing to those who are maybe intellectually like ready for that. Yeah. Is doing a disservice to those who you are perceiving as maybe intellectually inferior. Yeah, and I just think like this is a shoot for the stars if you miss you'll land at the moon right yeah like this this is a aim for everyone to understand sure and keep aiming there Uh uh-huh and then know that some people won't won't get it i mean how much did you research to understand this because i researched a hell of a lot right yeah so i think like there, there's something and to I still said. have, like, so much more to do if I was ever going to take this more seriously. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, like, there's something to be said for the fact that, like, this is complex. It's a concept. It's not spelled out. And it leans heavily on things that people already know. And so, as an audience member, it's really easy to say, 
I know that song. Mm -hmm. I know that parable. I know Jesus. Got it, right? And I think that's why it's so hotly discussed. Because there's comfort Mm -hmm. in already understanding and not having to try. Yeah. And I think the point of good art is to challenge the thoughts of others. Totally. And if you... I mean, if your goal is to, like, put on a show that makes money for the company or the theater or whatever that you're working with, that's one thing. Also, I think if you're not trying to execute on the, the thing that you have set out to do, that's not fair to the work. Yeah. So the, okay, so the end of the show, in, like, the movie and the original cast recording... Mm-hmm. The finale is never really, like, super upbeat and, like, fun, if you will. Or do you disagree? I disagree. In in the original cast recording? Or both? Oh, in, in the original cast recording, no. I think in the movie, um, and I think in the revival. Well, in the revival, that's what I'm getting at. Because the revival, it literally is, like, it's a, it's a super upbeat reprise of Prepare Ye. I mean, with other songs in there but mostly prepare you and like it's fun it's fun like i've listened to this cast recording multiple times going out running Mm -hmm. and like whenever i listen to the finale i'm like okay sure so jesus is dying at the end and i get that but like if i just keep running for like three more minutes then i know that i'm gonna get to this super upbeat cool fun part and like Prepare you is in the movie. It's in the original as well. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's it's maybe not quite as like, we can build a vision for the city, right? Yeah. But it definitely gets, it it gets to a point where it's, it's ramped up. So is it a happy ending? I mean, I think yes. Yeah. Because if the goal of the whole show was to prove that a community can be built... That goal was achieved, okay. and that community lives on even when it loses its leader, mm-hmm. because it was built with with a strong foundation. Yeah, um, and I think death is not always a sad thing. Death is inevitable, mm-hmm. and I think by saying like someone died, that makes it sad, is to say that like people die in life, so life is always sad, and mm-hmm. that, that's I, I would disagree with that. Yeah, I would say that good things can happen even though death exists. Um, I think the fact that Jesus dies is sad, but I think that doesn't mean that it's a sad ending. I mean, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And I was curious to see, because I could I could see you arguing either way. Like, I could also see you arguing it, that it was a sad ending. Okay, so I, I say let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and then we'll tie up with some more final thoughts. Now we start learning how we can build a beautiful city. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We can build a beautiful city, not a city of angels, but we can going to discuss some of our final thoughts. So one thing that I know that you wanted to talk about when we're discussing Godspell was the like commercialization or like oh, frankly yeah. like how both capitalism and religion mix. Yeah. Now there are two prominent musical theater writers 
who have made lots of money off of writing shows about Jesus slash the Bible. Mm-hmm. And those would be Stephen Schwartz and Angela Lloyd Webber, who have written... Stephen has written Godspell. He has written... Um, Children of Eden. Yep. Yeah. And Andrew has written Jesus Christ Superstar. He wrote uh, Joseph. He was using mm-hmm. Technicolor Dreamcoat. And so I'm just wondering, what are, what are your thoughts on someone who, from what I know about Stephen and Andrew, don't seem to be, like, particularly deeply religious men. Um, well, Stephen also wrote Prince of Egypt. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, who don't seem to be particularly religious men, but seem to, number one, obviously know a lot about the topic of religion, mm-hmm. likely because how they were raised. And number two, have profited greatly on religion, particularly Andrew. I think, so here's kind of my thoughts. I think there are lots of people that profit from exploiting religion. Mm -hmm. I think we could talk about a lot of TV and, and, what's that word? Evangelicists? Oh, um... uh, Evangelists? uh, Televangelists. Televangelists. Yes, yep. Wow, words are hard. Um, That clearly are profiting from like Christianity specifically. Yes. Um, but I think there are a lot of religions that are, I mean, you could even talk about other religions that are exploited in musical theater, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fiddler. Um, mm-hmm. you could, what other kinds of shows are there? Like, the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Uh, the Rothschilds. Yeah. Exactly. Is also, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, totally. So there are a lot of examples of that. And I think, it's funny you mentioned Book of Mormon because like never would I ever be like, well, that's someone profiting about religion. But like, it, totally is yeah yeah um it feels different because it's not the religion i was raised Mm -hmm. but it's exactly the same Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um and i like i think there are always going to be people that are profiting on like if there's a way to make money on something people are going to find it right um and i think specifically with godspell it does not feel blasphemous because that is not the point of the concept of the the show Mm -hmm. i think in a show like Jesus Christ Superstar, that feels more gimmicky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically because it's it's the Jesus story, and if yeah. the if Christianity had uh, the story, it would be the Jesus story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Joseph is a, a fine story in and of itself, and it le- lends itself well. We've kind of talked about this. Old Testament stories kind of lead themselves into musicals because there are stories with a beginning a clear beginning middle middle and end Mm -hmm. um joseph is one um and children of eden you get the adam and eve cain and abel story and then you get noah and the flood and there are picture books for children on those three yeah even prince of egypt is another example Mm -hmm. of like picture books for children on those stories because they're more a thing happened than another thing happened right Mm -hmm. um uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, super superstar. Yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. is is also a story from beginning to end, um, but it's such a creative retelling. Um, in the same way that Godspell is, mm-hmm. but it's it's it, there's no messaging there. It's the same message yeah. as it is in the Bible. It's just like set to modern times to be hip. Yeah. Right? And I think, to me, that feels different. Um, 
I don't know why that one specifically feels different. Also, I think the in Children of Eden, the Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel story, you leave with the same message that you got from the Bible. Mm-hmm. In the flood, you leave with the same message you got from the Bible. In um, Joseph, you leave with the same message you got from the Bible. In Prince of Egypt, same deal. In Jesus Christ Superstar, it's like you leave halfway through the story. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to make a statement, make a statement. If you're going to tell a story, tell a story. Jesus Christ Superstar, to me, and I do not know that show very well. I've seen it twice. Um, I saw it, um, the uh, quarantine. Uh, With John show, Legend difference? No, the show oh. must go on. Oh, the right, And right, then okay. I saw the John Legend one. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's my only exposure. And to me, it just felt like, all right, there's some moments for some poppy songs. I think there's some interesting takes on what's happening in the Bible. Yeah. But I think... In the same, like, Jesus Christ Superstar star ends its story in the same place that Godspell does if mm-hmm. you're, like, saying that it's the story of Matthew, sure. right? The difference is there's a clear message behind Godspell, and it's not just that crucifixion story, whereas Jesus Christ Superstar is a, cru- is a crucifixion story and not a resurrection story. Mm-hmm. And to me, that feels more blasphemous, if you will, than any of the other things. Mm-hmm. Also, I think at the end of the day, like, someone's going to make money on it. Why not be Andrew Lee Weber? Sure. Like, <laughs> um, but he, that was a long, lot no, of words. I'm just, I think I want to know a little bit. I want to know what their intentions are. But I also want to know, or I want to acknowledge that, like, regardless of what their intentions are, they're using art as a medium. And I think one thing that you said earlier on this podcast was like, the point of art is to send a message or tell a story through whatever medium you're using. And I think that was a really wise definition of what art is. And I think Angela Weber or Stephen Schwartz or whoever are using the forms of art that they know, that they understand, and that they're good at to tell stories that people already love. Now, the next step to that is, are Andrew and Steven doing this to make money or because they believe in it? And I don't know the answers to that. And I don't know that any of us can ever really truly know that. Do I know that Steven and Andrew are devout men of faith? Or men of faith at all? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I have no fucking idea. And maybe they are and maybe they aren't. And like, I, I do wonder where their intentions are. But then again, I'm not entirely sure that it matters because, like, well, maybe it does. But, like, if I'm, like, me, if I am Dan and Dan is writing the next big musical about something religious, Mm -hmm. likely Old or New Testament related, maybe I don't truly believe that, like, what's happening is, like, worthwhile of being a religion. But I recognize that. I have a skill where I can put this, I can set this story in a form where people are more easily going to be, are more easily able to understand it and absorb it. And I can do that for people for whom it would mean a lot, even if it doesn't mean a lot to me. Does that make me a good or a bad person? Well, and I would say no to that. And here's why. Like, Fairy tales are not a religion. They're not. Sure. But they could be. 
They follow sure. a lot of the same tropes is a bad word, but tropes is the word I'm going to use. Great. They follow a lot of the same, like, kind of, like, flow. Yeah. There's a, a, a character. Mm-hmm. They come into a problem. They learn a lesson. That lesson is to be interpreted and used in your life. Yeah. Right? Um, name a fairy tale, and we can, like, we can nail those things down, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that, like... Someone who wrote, like, Rodgers and Hammerstein, when they wrote Cinderella, the musical, they were saying, this might be a religion to somebody. <laughs> like, sure. this could help someone understand a religion that I don't practice. What they were saying is, this is an interesting story, and I have an interesting way to tell it. Yeah. And so, it, it is a fine line, because Christianity, Christianity specifically, in America specifically, f- feels different. Mm-hmm. Like, if you made a show about Norse mythology, everyone would be like, oh, how fun, or Greek mythology, or whatever. Like, those things are religions, too, and they, for whatever reason, feel very different. Mm -hmm. It's almost like Christianity hits too close to home for us. Um, I think, like, profiting on the vulnerabilities of people based on their religion feels wrong. I think telling a story in an interesting way does not. Sure. So I guess I am not offended of any of these things. Yeah. I think the thing the thing that I'm saying about Jesus Christ Superstar specifically is you're not telling a story in an interesting way. You're telling a different story that looks like a story that already exists. Okay. And that's where that one feels different to me. With Godspell or um, Children of Eden or even Joseph or uh, Prince of Egypt, Mm -hmm. those are just, let's pull religion out of it entirely and let's just say the Bible is a book of stories, right? It's a book of stories that someone has picked a story that they thought was particularly interesting and telling it in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. Um, Now... If that's the case, and I think like I might be talking myself out of my argument, but if that's the case, there's nothing that says that I can't take Cinderella and put my own twist on it. Um, I think religion is a little tricky because people are attached to it, and it's it's not just it's not the same mm-hmm. as me taking Cinderella and putting her in a high school and making Hillary Duff a waitress, right? Sure. Like <laughs> that's very different. Thank you real fast for referencing the most important movie of the 2000s. But anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but taking something that people hold sacred and and twisting it mm-hmm. feels a little riskier, I guess. But no risk, no reward. And at the end of the day, like, the goal is always to make money. Yeah. Right? And... In, in in any form of theater, yeah. Whether in or not you want to believe art. it, like yeah. Well, yeah. True. 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 Yeah. So the <clears throat> characters in the show, particularly those who are following Jesus, mm-hmm. are referred to as clowns, mm-hmm. and they're referred to as clowns, particularly when you paint their faces. Yeah. Even subtly, or whatever you do to distinguish them as a community of people. Yes. But I would love to know more about your thoughts on that word, clown, because that word has so many 
meanings, both like positive and negative in the English language. And like what what are your thoughts on how that word is interpreted in this production? So have you this is um there's a YouTube series. It's Michelle Tries and she tries all kinds of things and one of the things that she goes to try is clown school. Mm-hmm. Um and like I don't know much about clown school, but this is like where my mind jumps. Um, the art of clowning, as we know it, is like birthday clowns, mm-hmm. right? Um, blow up a balloon, make a dog, yeah. um, squirt water from your flower lapel, yeah. um, big red nose, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I think clown is referenced more to like the mime world of clown, where it's like. Um, you tell a story with only your emotions. You don't use words. Um, you you act it out. Mm-hmm. And this is an acting troupe. Like, quite literally. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, to me, that's, that's more the concept of clowns. Is that, like, um, more of like a circus clown that plays to an audience mm-hmm. to tell a story than a birthday clown. Well, because like, and I think what well, well, I think what you're getting at um, is that like the character George. Well, nah. Let's go. Let's say. Let's say the what's an easier character? The character of maybe Uzo. Mm-hmm. Uzo plays so many people in this show, right? Mm-hmm. She probably plays a goat at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And she probably plays. Uh, a Pharisee, uh, a fer- and a, yes, and a man, whatever, and, and then a she's son, and a, yeah, and she's and she's also the adulteress, and she's she's plays so many people, and the fact that she plays so many people speaks to the definition of clown that Stephen Schwartz and John Michael Tablock are going for mm-hmm. as someone who like is o- almost like a reenactor in a way. Now, or yeah. or do you disagree? No, and I think like if you think of this this community as an improv group sure um that's not too far off from clown improv mm-hmm. i think it, it is different mm-hmm. but i think it's it's not that different well i mean like in the same way that like 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 a king might of a, a monarch might say bring me my jester to entertain for me. sure yeah um, and I think, like, a jester is a really great example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is definition a clown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a person that entertains or brings stories to life. They're really storytellers. Yeah. And I think because we don't want to... Storyteller implies that they're going to sit down and tell us a story. And the intent is that they will act out a story. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes somebody else will tell a story and they will act. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't... Sometimes. Not always, though. No. Um, you don't see you see a person telling a story and then you see three people acting it out and they're just waving their fingers or shaking their head and that is very clown like. Sure, totally. Um and if you think about like circus clowns is a great example. When did circuses start, right? Yeah. Early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't microphones. These people aren't gonna yell to these huge crowds where people are coming to see elephants, right? They have to use their bodies to convey the message, much like a mascot, yeah. right? And so I think, to me, that's, like, where this, that's coming from. I mean, Brutus Buckeye is a, is an evolved form of a clown. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a skill set that you absolutely need to have to play one of these roles because mm-hmm. 
you're going to be asked to sit up on a tower and pout to, yeah. to convey something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to act with your whole body or the audience just isn't going to get it. Yeah. That is, that. that's, I mean, that's fascinating. And like, that's similar to where, roughly where I was going, but I think you explained it better. But I, I think that is one thing that like, when I first looked at this script, I saw the word clown and I thought, what the fuck are you yeah. talking about? And that, Makes way more sense. Okay. <clears throat> so some of the final things that we always like to talk about when Love we do it. shows. Um, first, I want to know who who do you think I'd play? Who do I think you'd play? Who do you want to play? Who do I want to play? Okay. I think you would play Dan. Yeah. Okay. And I think I would play Jess. Wow! Jess, that was really wow. insightful. Thank you. Um... Who do I think you would play? Mm-hmm. Um, can we just say like the song? Yeah, but yeah, I think that's the only way to really describe it. Um, like, I do think you would make a good Jesus or Judas. Um, I think you'd probably make a better Judas than Jesus. I almost agree with you. Like, and I. A part of me thinks it's because, like, as much as I like to portray a positive demeanor, sometimes I feel like I am more cynical than I am positive. And, like, not that that makes me a good or a bad person, but I don't, dis- I, I don't disagree with you. I guess just, like, I think you would do well singing On the Willows is, like... Mm, okay. Um, I think that suits your voice. Because um, it is that, so- like, that, that round, full... You know what I mean? Sure. Um, whereas, like, an alas for you is not as much in your, like, where you where you lean. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's weirdly high at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just more, like, yelly mm-hmm. than you tend to be. Um, you tend to to be more classical and less rock. <laughs> yeah. And I think, what? <laughs> I think yeah. the, the yeah, thing that yeah. makes it hard is, like, Beautiful City, especially in the revival, is more in the vein of like what I see you do, mm-hmm. but I think holistically. Yep. I mean, it could go either way, but I do think mm-hmm. Judas. Yeah. Um, who? What about you? Who would you want to be? Because I already, I already have it in my mind, so you're well, not going to change my mind. Why don't you go first? Why don't you say who I think you would be, and okay, I'll say who you want to be, and I'll say who I want to be. Uh, well, number one, you play Jess. Number two. Thank you. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that you would be an excellent actress to do turn back man okay um Thank i mean you. like i mean if i know anything about jess oler what i know about jess oler is that although she is a versatile performer she is a particularly talented character actress <laughs> and turn back man is like the most charactery song of everything in this show okay. and i think you would i think you would rock the shit out of that song all right who do you want to play jesus yeah i mean obviously i would like <laughs> Like, like, I, I mean that both literally and as a, uh, as an explic- explicative, um, Jesus, Jess, I want to play Jesus. <laughs> um, but if I, but like, that's an obvious answer, right? I mean, like the only two lead shows are male, yeah. well, arguably male, but like, um, if I were to not play Jesus, then honestly, the song I would probably really, I would probably want to be Nick. Because We Beseech Thee is so fun. Yeah. So if I was not to be Jesus or Judas or John the Baptist, 
I would want to be the character who sings We Beseech Thee solely because he gets to sing We Beseech Thee. Okay, so, fun fact. Yeah. I also want to sing We Beseech Thee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I know that you have said that, like, you don't like females singing male songs. It's it's not that I don't like it. It's just that, like, I... You don't have to change the key. I can sing that in that key. Uh, well, I mean, and if if you can, great. There are certainly women who can sing tenor parts, and yeah. then there there are men who can sing female belty parts, yeah. right? Those exist, but they're I I think they're fairly rare. And like what I hate, a huge musical theater pet peeve of mine, is when I hear a man or a woman singing a song written for someone in the opposite gender, and I don't mean to speak in the binary because I don't believe the gender is binary, but like in terms of musical theater, that's how I'm going to talk. And I don't like that when I hear a man or a woman sing a song and then change octaves to fit whatever fits their voice. That bugs the shit out of me. And so I think that if you are going, if you are a man who's going to sing a woman's song and changing the key is something you're choosing not to do or you're incapable of doing, then you need to be able to sing it in that woman's key with a particularly high male voice. Or opposite, you as a woman need to be able to stretch out those notes if they're low or not low mm-hmm. right because it's regardless of the key but in a way that like doesn't sound weird because frequently women sound singing men's songs just sounds weird and men singing women's songs just sounds weird and so if we were doing this with tracks and if we had a contract with mti where i was able to say hello i have a woman singing we beseech yeah. thee I would like to change the key to fit her voice, then fuck yes. Change all the genders. I'm so down for it. But like in the original key, I just am skeptical of whether or not it's going to sound good. That's that's what we I have to say. We could go and we could karaoke right now, but I will, and, and not and not <laughs> not. I'm not skeptical of whether or not. Well, if you, I mean, I haven't heard you, so I guess technically, I, by definition, I am. But like, but like. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. When I just, like, I hear men singing, uh, I'd sooner by defying gravity. And I'm like, bro, like, like, it doesn't sound good. Like, that song is not meant for a bass. And when you were a man singing it in a woman's key down the octave, you sound like a bass singing a song that's meant for a female beltress. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So, box done. Fine, if I'm not allowed to do Weave a Seachy, which in this hypothetical whatever, <laughs> I would also choose Turnbacko Man because okay. I just. God, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. so fun. And yeah. like, there's just so much opportunity to mm-hmm. like mess with the audience and like add things mm-hmm. and just kind of go crazy. Yep. There totally is. And there, I mean, like, literally in the script, there are multiple moments where it says, do you whatever can. you want. Exactly. <laughs> literally, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Jessica, what do you think is the filler you song? First. Okay, well, because here's the thing. For me, my filler song and my favorite song are the same song. Really? Uh-huh. I, that has happened before. Yeah. Um, I think it's all good gifts. Really? Yeah. For your filler song is? Uh-huh. Tell me why. Well, because, like, I skip it. Because it's boring. <laughs> it's it is certainly boring. See, this is what's so funny about me and you, because there are moments where like I don't know that we've ever. Qu- 
quite agreed on the filler song if I think back in certain shows. I don't know if we ever have. Like, I go back and I look at Carolina Change, and I told you that my filler song for Carolina Change was Roosevelt Patricia's Coastal. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I really regret saying that because then you said Salty Teardrops, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, like, Salty Teardrops absolutely is a filler song. And, like, but all good gifts in my mind, is necessary for that character. But it is also boring. (laughs) I just... Here's the thing. Yeah. Everyone knows, and if you don't know by now, strap it and you're about to learn. I don't like ballads. I just don't care about them. They're slow and boring, and I want to skip them. Sure. And so, especially boy ballads. Because I don't <laughs> sing boy ballads, so like they're not fun to sing in the car. Yeah. They're slow. They're boring. You can't dance to them. Hard pass. Not a fan. Interesting. So my filler and favorite song are the same song, and it's "Beautiful City," because wait, your filler song is "Beautiful City." Yeah. You just well, said we beseech thee. Hmm. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Keep talking. No, I like I like We Beseech Thee for sure. We Beseech Thee is a song that if I was not Jews or Jews, I've seen that. But like, in terms of like analyzing the show, Mm -hmm. both the filler song and my favorite song are Beautiful City because Beautiful City, by definition does not have to be in the show. Yeah. There is no reason why Beautiful City has to be mm-hmm. in the show. Like, it, I think it does add a positive effect to the show. And I love to sing it. And, like, Oh, Bless the Lord for a long time was my favorite. But after listening to the cast albums multiple times, mm-hmm. I changed my mind. But it does not have to be here. But, damn it, it is, it is, it is beautiful. It is meaningful. It is a boy ballad. Um, but it also, for me, it is a song that I like to sing in the car because, like I said before, when I talked about, like, men singing women's songs, women singing men's songs, it fits my voice very well. And, like, and it, I'm not, there are certain women for whom this song would fit their voice well, mm-hmm. but, like, that is not a majority of women. And, again, I just need to be very, very clear I am not against casting a woman as Jesus. I would be. I would love to cast a woman as Jesus, but I need that. Wo- I need MTI to be willing to mess with the keys of songs early in the rehearsal process to fit that woman's voice in a way where it sounds good. So then I can send it to the rest of my cast to learn the the, the harmonies that are going to be evidently different than what is on the cast recording. Yeah. So, I just need to be very clear to the zero people who are listening to this podcast that I am not sexist, that I fully support any man or any woman playing any role in the show, but keys may or may not need to be changed as a result of that. Dan hates women. Is <laughs> um, so, do I get to pick my favorite song now? Yes, please. It's We Beseech Thee. That was a surprise to no one. Yeah. It's so fun, Dan. It is so fun. It's like a dance party, Mm -hmm. and you just dance, and you party. And in the uh, Revival Cast Report recording, whenever he says, all repentance have delayed, that's my favorite part of the entire show. I just, like, I think about this, and I do think about, like, Telly Long, who was saying, um, 
um, All Good Gifts. Mm-hmm. And, like, All Good Gifts has, like, a like a solid belty moment. Like, I really want to thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun. But, like, it, like, for me, if I was, if someone was like, hey, Dan, eight times a week, you could sing We Beseech Thee. It's like, a rock song! Yes, please. It's like a concert. Yes, it's please. It's just, like, hype. Everyone's there. Like, I, ugh, it's so good. Yeah, totally, 100%. So, Jessica, that was Godspell. That was Godspell. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what is the next show that we're going to talk about on this podcast? I know you've been debating for a very long time, maybe, with yourself. All right. Dan. Yeah? This is a show I love. (laughs) And I love it. And I understand that everyone's eyes will roll. But we're going to do it anyway. Can't, can't wait. Dan, the next show I'd like to talk about is Spongebob Squarepants, the musical. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Dan, I love this show. It's fantastic. I literally cannot say enough good things about it. Um, and I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. I'm very excited to talk about Spongebob, too. As you know, I saw Spongebob on Broadway in New York. Heartbroken. I know. I and you didn't even... It's like, it, this is going to be great coming all over again. No, because I I did see it in New York. Um, I, again, I saw it having listened to the cast album a couple times beforehand, but not truly being in the headspace to appreciate it the way that I do now. I'm excited to look over it over the next couple weeks to get to know it even better. And to have a full in-depth discussion where I don't have to study the Bible to talk to you about it. I figured I'd give you like a, a lob because I know you had to work really hard on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, great. Well, Jess, thank you so much for talking to me about we Godspell. We did it. It was only nine hours long. Uh, yeah, it's a solid, what's three, three and a half. Okay, just over three and a half hours, but that's fine. Perfect. Um, great. Well, thank you, listeners, if you made it this far. Um, just a see you next time.